This is your Drive Time News Blast, 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from the perspectives of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. The big stories continue to be Turkey and the whistleblower. First thing is Turkey continues to move forward in its incursion into Syrian sovereign territory, attacking the Kurds, I watched a very interesting interview with Patrick Henningsen from 21st Century Wire. He was on RT, so I'm sure it's Russian propaganda, but he said we're looking at it too simplistically. There are some radical Kurds, some militant Kurds, some Marxist Kurds that that area doesn't isn't a majority Kurdish and that by talking about the Kurds, it implies that there's this one group there isn't. Turkey feels like it has some issues with the their border, and I'm sure they do. But uh, I think it is I, I, a couple of things I came up with that I found to be interesting when I was watching that. One is why the question is why why would Trump get out of Turkey's way and even make a point of getting out of Turkey's way? Why would they just not stay there if that was really a deterrent and a tripwire. Th- yeah, tripwire. Well, that's the thing. Like, almost like they want a tripwire to be able to go in there. However, Patrick Henningsen was saying that Turkey's alternative would have been to, and may still be, to negotiate with Russia and Syria. Just negotiate a settlement, and that would be bad for us. Uh, you know, our, our, we we would not be calling the shots then. So there's an idea. And then I just saw... I didn't hear the call, but I read the article about Lindsey Graham being pranked by our favorite Russian radio hosts who pranked Adam Schiff and Elliot Abrams. So they pranked Graham and they got him to say that Trump wants to work with Turkey economically, militarily. So maybe this is really uh, a lot of bluster on the part of Trump's like, don't you mess around here, but they're really cutting deals with Turkey so Turkey doesn't cut deals with Russia and Syria. That's what it looks like so far. According to Lindsey Graham on the the prank call, right? A little bit, yeah. But that's, you know, that's the kind of information. It's weird that these Russian pranksters are on the cover of foxnews.com. How do they keep falling for it? The only explanation would be if all of the pranks and and I don't think it's possible because of like the series of events. If they did all the pranks at once and then just rolled them out one at a time, you could have gotten a ton of people. But the subject matter is different. There's Venezuela. The Adam Schiff thing was was two years old. It was about Ukraine. This thing about Turkey, who knows how old it is? Because you're right. I mean, there seems hard to believe they would fall for it. Continue to fall for the same guys. Yeah, maybe they're just really good at it, and maybe they're, they're, they don't really vet the callers they have coming in as much as you would think that they do. You would really think so, that they would vet it. I mean, it's very hard to unless, I mean, I could see it all happening at once, taking advantage of the fact that they don't vet well. But when people are getting pranked and then it's getting outed, then protocols are going to change. So I think they can't keep falling for it. Yeah, one would think they would say, don't just start, spouting off at the mouth to some random Russian <laughs> that calls you. 
But the thing is, people can't tell that they're Russian. Like, in one case, I think they were supposed to be Swiss. They sound totally Russian, but it's like when the sommeliers are drinking wine where the labels have been switched. Yeah, yeah. If there's no labels, then they then they will get it right. But if there's a, the wrong label, they will they can actually put it in their minds yeah. that it's something different from what it sounds like. Yeah. So the impeachment so, inquiry. Yeah. yeah, that's next. Continued on. It, the only story that is in the news all day, every day, the impeachment inquiry, which there hasn't even been a vote on yet, there's been – more developments in it as Rudy Giuliani, two of his Ukrainian contacts, were arrested for violating campaign finance laws. I think it was conspiring to <laughs> donate illegal money or something like that. And Exceed now, the limits. Yeah, and now they're looking into Giuliani's financial dealings with the two guys, and they keep showing this video of Giuliani with them over and over again as though it's like this damning evidence when all it is is them sitting there and, and waving – it's it's weird what these two are curious it's a very strange story and when i went i just searched them on google which is usually just like the most sanitized ever since parkland from valentine's day of 2018 totally sanitized i'll go to DuckDuckGo now because it gives you like a more rational search but with ukraine uh, with these two guys, I searched, and the first story that came up, which is I found to be unusual, was a Haaretz story, which Haaretz is a, an Israeli news outlet that tends to be left-leaning, so I'm guessing that's like the New York Times, but the Jerusalem Post maybe is like the Wall Street Journal. Not not like them, but those kind of political differences. So the Haaretz stuff will be critical of Netanyahu and of the right wing. But they said that these guys are in league with, you know, they were trying to make these guys look corrupt because Netanyahu is in a corruption investigation right now. He's really under the gun. And these Haaretz doesn't like Netanyahu, is trying to associate, so they probably don't like Trump, trying to associate these guys with Netanyahu. And they said that there is video of those guys with David Friedman, who is the U.S. ambassador to Israel, Yair Netanyahu, who's Netanyahu's son, Anthony Scaramucci, they were all kind of up to something, and that these guys were getting an award, maybe with, maybe that was the photo op, or this is a separate thing, of a Lovers of Zion award, and that these guys, I think, were Soviet-born, although they are called Ukraine. One said he was born in the Soviet, one says Belarus, it's, you know, there's just a lot, when you're talking about foreign interference, there's a lot going on here that, like with Flynn, Flynn is supposedly a Russian collusion guy, but he was actually tapping Russia to help Israel. So maybe Israel plays in a little bit here. Yeah, and that theme of foreign interference, there was at one point on a CNN discussion panel after they were going through all of these stories that are, they what they say are evidence of... Uh, foreign interference they say one of the people says just to be clear for our listeners not to be confused over all these details of these stories that come rushing out really fast there's a theme here a theme that you need to remember <laughs> which is we've been talking about that yeah. for weeks now that there is a theme yeah. and here it is and they actually said she actually said there's a theme and here it is that this president is out to get more power and the only way he can do it is by foreign election interference that is all you need to remember don't get lost in all these details yeah, details, facts that may or may not fit the exactly. narrative that we're pressing here. Right. 
Annette, I, I want to talk about this. Tomorrow we have a WSB show at 9 o'clock Saturday night, which is kind of weird, but we people probably won't find us until maybe we'll put it on. We'll put it in the propaganda report feed since I doubt people will get to it. But I do want to talk about it tomorrow, too. That theme thing, the first time I ever heard it was when I was watching an an interview with the guy who wrote Silent Coup that tells a very different story about Watergate. He says that Alexander Haig was deep throat. He um, talks about Woodward, I think it is, as being an attache to Haig and only getting into media after he was in kind of deep state military intelligence stuff. He really reveals a lot. And he says the DNC break-in, the Watergate break-in, wasn't about strictly campaign uh, tactics or anything like that, but that the DNC had some kind of like prostitution ring going for delegates or important people that they were really going to expose a crime on the part of the Democrats. So this guy, and then at the end, Nixon didn't know about it. And John Dean, I think he was White House counsel, totally set him up. So this all came out in Silent Coup, which was extremely well-documented. And the guy who wrote it, he was a congressman, he said in this interview, and I, I was like, I, it really haunted me because I wasn't hip to this tactic at that time. So I, I took it. I was like, okay, I accept what you're saying. And now, in retrospect, I realized that he took all of that great research and he subverted it totally to an idea that he doesn't support at all, which was this. He said, he said expressly, I want the, I want the reader, the listener here to take away one thing. It's extremely important that all of this points to one thing, one thing people need to take away. And that is that Nixon and his paranoia and his culture created an atmosphere that rewarded this kind of behavior, this kind of duplicity and backstabbing and all that was 100% a result of Nixon's character. And that is why we are here. But his entire book says that Nixon at no time decided to commit the Watergate crime, that even the cover-up, which was his ultimate undoing, was a setup by Dean, who was recording it, I think. I mean, the whole thing totally paints Nixon in a different light. And somehow even I came away with thinking this guy is uh, that, that, yeah, I guess it was Nixon's fault after all. And with all the parallels with Watergate that are being brought out, I can't help but find that this, you know, maybe, maybe I know Watergate was a watershed moment. However, I mean, it's possible that even this type of propaganda, all that kind of stuff, which had to have been carefully crafted for that round at this stage later in the dumbing down of America, you can just, you don't even have to make a 350 page well-documented book to establish your credibility to just say, now, now, Simmer down. Just don't pish posh with the (laughs) questions. Just this is all you need to know. So go to your parties and pat each other on the back and regurgitate this theme and everybody will snap their fingers in your favor and uh, we'll 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 get this bastard. Yeah, they can present all the facts to say one thing and then tell you what takeaway to remember. And it could be completely opposite and say, don't get lost in all those details of the facts. 
Yes, that rings a bell, like something very recently happened. Well, maybe it's just the Ukraine thing in general, where the Bidens Bidens are absolutely up to, I mean, we should investigate it. It's messed up. The speaking about the two Giuliani's two associates, it says Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman, who are powerful Republican donors, allegedly introduced Giuliani to Ukraine officials who pushed unfounded theories about corruption involving former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter. How much of this did Giuliani know or participate in? It's unclear. But they're offered the chance to exchange information for leniency in sentencing. That is very interesting because I'm looking at this. It's very weird for Google to bring in Israel as the, you know, that's like relegated to conspiracy theory stuff. So when Google's coming out with it, I'm thinking they're going to try to make this a little more dialectical. So if these guys are coming in and saying that they're going to roll for leniency, they could start spinning some yarns. You know, not for their own sake. I'm saying as part of like a psychological operation, like they're all, it's all buttoned up on both sides. But the Biden stuff, they, they're, they're, it that sounds is like they serious. were arrested just for pushing the Biden theories is what it sounds like. It sounds like that was a major reason why they were arrested along with campaign finance. I don't know. But when that's a prominent part of the story, just pushing a Biden theory, it's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. There's a lot of truth to it. And yeah. And they're arrested because of that. Yeah. I mean, conspiracy theory is definitely going to be a crime at some point. But it's Russian propaganda. Anything that doesn't support... CNN is Russian propaganda. That's why they're like, these guys are Russian. And I'm not 100% sure they are even Russian. I mean, I think they were maybe Soviet-born, but I think they're American citizens now. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot going on with that. Mike Uh, Pompeo's guy. Oh, yeah. What's what's also related to that? His senior advisor to Mike Pompeo resigned, according to two sources familiar with the matter. And I saw them talking about this on MSNBC, and somebody actually referred to him as Pompeo's mini-me who knows all of the dirt <laughs> and all of the secrets, and he is – they're going to try to get him before Congress during this inquiry, and he's going to spill all the dirt on him. Oh, was he the guy who – this I owe is a big red flag for me. I was listening to the news, CNN or Fox, I can't remember which one, and they were – I think it was CNN. The guy was saying – now, he's widely regarded as a straight-up guy who tells the truth and does the right thing. <laughs> you know, one of those, as soon as they, like Rod Rosenstein, who came up in our um, Awan Brothers investigation, Rod Rosenstein. So then I was like, I'm not sure he's the most upright guy ever. But they, oh, that's what they said about Bill Barr. That's what they said about Robert Mueller. Like, they'll always set the stage with this guy is the most honest guy in the world and then either he'll be corrupted or he'll turn or he'll say stuff that's not in evidence, but they'll just say, but he's an upright guy, so we need to believe Jim. Yeah, and this guy apparently they say he did not approve of Pompeo's handling of the officials who – of his public support for the officials implicated in the Ukraine, quote, scandal. So that's one of the reasons why he resigned. He didn't like the way that Pompeo wasn't defending 
the ambassadors who were against the, what's going on with Ukraine, who are against Trump on it, but the people who are, um, yeah, Trump didn't do anything wrong. He does. He didn't like the way Pompeo handled that, so that's why he's stepping down, and that's why he's going to be a star witness. There's so much moralizing. I know it's stupid, and like motive is now <laughs> going to be like they, they keep talking about. So this ambassador, the uh, Yovanovitch, this chick ambassador who yeah. Trump. She says the State Department was pressured by Trump to remove her, which is completely within his prerogative. She was appointed by Obama, and if she was involved in what many believe to be wrongdoings with Ukraine, it's perfectly normal to remove her. But they're making that out to be like it's a scandal that he removed her. Oh, yeah. Um, Nunez said she was – he – there were rumors, breaking rumors – that she had journalists investigated or spied on. So she she maybe was up to no good as well. And so maybe that thing is gonna come out. But but here's here's one of the things that she said was that he that he was motivated, like his motives were bad in getting rid of her. Yeah. And I think it's completely within his prerogatives to to staff the way he wants to staff. Yeah. I mean, that's just what you do. That's the that's that's why you want the power. Obstruction. Just <laughs> but this, I I just got a thing. Jane Fonda was arrested today at a climate change rally. Oh, good for her. Are they trotting her out again? Good as for her. Uh, maybe she Hanoi maybe she Jane. glued herself to a building or a boat in the middle of the road. <laughs> Uh, but this, the, so they talk about his motives as being wrong, and this we've talked about over and over and over again. Motive is not an element of a crime. Motive is evidence is is supports a theory of a crime. Act actus reus and mens rea is are the elements of a crime. So you have to do the thing, and you have to mean to do the thing. Why you do the thing or why you mean to do the thing is not a part of culpability, but that's how they want to present it. So motive, motive, motive keeps coming up as the reason that you should be stripped of your power or that your totally valid or totally legal decision should be neutralized because of motive. And it it really goes to like... The first thing of this was hate crime. Hate crime was punished more than the exact same crime that had a different motive. And that is dangerous because you can't go to what's in somebody's heart. I mean, we were talking about this offline a little bit. Like, think about hate. How how much of that do you think is really conjured up into action on a daily basis? That, I mean, it's... A lot of what it is, even prejudice and stereotyping, can be misguided and wrong, immoral, but the believer usually thinks he's being rational. It's prejudging. It's stereotyping. It's not just this raw, illegal emotion of hate. It's that you're... You're misguided, you're prejudiced, you're racist, whatever. But like, so it all comes down to this idea that what's in your heart, which should be judged subjectively by certain people against certain moral standards. I mean, at this point, not hate crime, but 
just the idea that motive can be the an element of the crime, I think might be a violation of the First Amendment of mixing church and state because this stuff is quite moralistic. It's definitely a thought crime. Yeah. It, yeah, so so other elements of the First Amendment yeah, it's come in. Reading people's minds as to why they did what they did, unless they say specifically that that is why. But even if they say specifically, I mean, isn't the entire the whole study of psychology based on this idea that you don't even know why you yeah. do stuff? Yeah, that you don't that you can't even connect. So I I feel like the subjectivism. You could be convicted of something that cannot be proven, that is irrelevant. Like, you, if, if you never met me, if I cannot impact your life at all, but I have hatred towards you, that's not a crime. But if I decide to hurt you and then hurt you, that's a crime regardless of my motive. Yeah, it's similar to a few weeks ago when the story is about Biden telling a false war story at a campaign. Biden just lies because he's telling a greater truth, but Trump lies because he's evil. Yes, and that is that is the difference between Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. Is that the Democrats' lies are you know what they are? They're parables. <laughs> yeah, like Jesus. They're parables. Yes. They're yeah. parables that tell a story that needs to be told because they represent a truth that only the so, left yeah. truly grasps. So they're moral and they're good. Right. And then they're, they're moral and they're good because they come from the left. That's the answer. Yeah. Right. I hate posing things in the left-right thing, but that's the that's where what we're talking about, right? Well, you want to talk about the problems with the right, let's tune into Turkey and Syria and calls for <laughs> mass murder everywhere. Anyway. There was a Trump rally last night in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, do tell. And uh, some riots broke out. Fox News was trying to make it out to be like thousands of protesters. I don't think that it was. I think it was hundreds is because they kind of were like, well, I definitely think there's hundreds here. Maybe a thousand. Maybe. So did you see pictures of it? I did, but the pictures are all tight shots. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. Sense. But there was definitely some violence going on as they were lighting MAGA hats on fire. They were rushing police <laughs> officers. They were throwing things at police officers. They were mimicking a lot. It reminded me of the coverage of the Hong Kong protests a little bit. Oh, the way they were going you after police. Anticipate. I have something to show you. So I think those MAGA hats are probably last year's merch. I've got a stack of these in the mail. Oh, My keep, brother sent them to me. This was a Keep America Great Again rally. I'm looking at a no, Keep America. No, it's just Ameri Keep America Great. Oh, I, yeah, Keep I'm America Great, right. Showing Binkley this stack of bumper stickers that my brother sent me. Trump, Keep America Great 2020. He heard that my son with Down syndrome does not like Trump, so he's <laughs> on. It's not, it, this will make my poor son go apoplectic. I try to, he just, he's so inundated by public school stuff. This kid that he's, yeah. he doesn't understand there could be two sides. He's like, if you like Trump, you must be evil. And he, like his little mind, can't understand how people he loves. I saw a TED talk of a guy named Tim Hartley, I think, who said he was like working hospice with this woman who was dying, who he loved. And as... The election was proceeding in 2016. She was all of a sudden turned ugly and vile about his candidate. Like he was just 
the, this old lady was just like, uh, I'm sure it's Hillary she hated and that this guy loved. And he couldn't believe that she could hate his candidate and love the candidate he hated. So he started this thing on Facebook where he asked people who were like white nationalists or whatever, that just the most extreme against alternative to him as possible. So he could just talk to them about like have lunch with them and see if they, you know, why they thought that way. He just, it got into his head that, that people who think different, he thought they were evil. But then he had loved this woman and he, and I actually had that epiphany too when I was, became an anarcho-capitalist. I was like, oh, I get it. Like nobody's looking behind them over their own shoulder, but that's what the other side is seeing. Like nobody is seeing, or everyone is just seeing in black and white. And I've even heard that that's how propaganda works when the CIA wants to tell you not to put something in your book. You can put anything you want in any in, in your books, but you can't put both sides in one book. Yeah, You can't, so Fox can say whatever it wants to say and CNN can say whatever, whatever it wants to say, but you can't really bring the measured opinion from the other side over to, because then it'll start corrupting that extreme polarization. Yeah. And I, I just thought it was interesting. He is that his experiment did not do great because he, so many people yeah. were not in his neighborhood. Did he kill her or what? No, he loved her. Well, I a, if he thought she was evil, he had to, no, he had to change the way he thought about okay, it. Okay, all right. Just and go. then he did communicate with people on Facebook, but he wanted to sit down face-to-face, and that was a little tricky since it was people weren't always near him. That's good, though, that he went and sought out people to speak with instead of going to throw bricks through his congressman's window or light MAGA hats on fire. Yeah, but that kind of thinking is very dangerous to this society, and to the polarized society. That's exactly the kind of thinking that they, they're they propagating, that they want people to And that's to the answer. I mean, his— his answer is the answer. It's not to like, I don't think, is to engage in the culture war or anything like that. It's just to step back and say, oh, I disagree with you, but let me just understand where you're coming from and maybe communicate with you where I'm coming from and I can examine where I'm coming from and maybe you could examine where you're coming from Yeah. instead of just being angry all the time. Yeah. Well, you're never going to hear that argument on the uh, mainstream news. <laughs> Definitely not. So ESPN showed a image of... China, it, you know, like a globe image. I can't remember what it was for, but in the image, they had China owning the South China Sea, which they, which is in dispute. Oh, <laughs> so that was little, not a mistake. Little Chinese be... propaganda coming through on ESPN, you know, with all this, with all this NBA China yes. things going on. They're kind of acting like they're against China, but then they're also apologizing to China. They're trying to do the best of uh, both worlds. Well. I would say that what they're doing, because now that was brought to your attention, so that'll piss people off, and then they'll say, hey, ESPN, stop kowtowing to China, because that's what this is all about, like to get all the companies to stand against China, because the trade restrictions won't really mean anything they're kind of small potatoes. Like the tariffs and stuff are kind of minor compared to like the actual volume of business from what I can tell. So without the cooperation of the private sector, which is going to need cover from public opinion, then I think they, this, we won't be able to pressure, pressure China. But all of this makes me think like 
is this pressure against China like 100% real on the up and up? Just when I was beginning to think that, I noticed that James Corbett put out a new audio saying like it's just like the fake cold war which was fake like we gave them the bomb so we could have an arms race yeah so i have to go listen to that because i was just thinking geez just two-dimensional chess whoever heard of that but (laughs) corbett's usually pretty good excellent on that stuff so i'll have to go listen to that before i 100 percent believe it but there's definitely something i think that mistake was not a mistake it was part of this game they're playing Oh, I agree. It was definitely part of the game. And speaking of the game, yesterday we talked about the California fires, and I was like, that's a strategy of tension that they're turning, they're giving power outages to almost a million people without actually being any fires. And then this morning, even on WSB, it was just top story, round the clock was fires, wildfires spring up overnight all over California. This is crazy. Outages, you know, intentional outages will continue to be implemented. And and they they do, I, I do believe it's clear that they mess with the weather out there and actually are contributing to the drought. So you wouldn't even need to start the fires if you never let it rain. This could be a test. There's been blackouts all over the world. I- Oh yeah! I predicted, and on our show a few yeah. a few months ago, I said, yeah. we will start seeing some sort of blackouts over here, like we have in other countries." I don't know yeah. if this is a form of it or not. Yes, and a few years ago, there was a was like a power station terrorist attack, and I remember thinking in California, which was really fishy, and I remember thinking they are going to this is a test run for something. This yeah. is foreshadowing of something and, with, and that's yeah. that's bad i mean and wait till the, everybody's got an electric car yeah it turned the cars off turn the whole grid off what can you they, it doesn't even turn you just can't charge them right if you're turning what about what about the people in california in that million houses that have no power you can't yeah. just light a candle yeah you have to stay home from work and with the escalate with tensions escalating with china it makes me wonder if where we're gonna see because that's what the next what do you war, mean Tensions are escalating with China with this whole, at least publicly, with the NBA thing, the rift there, and with the tariffs, and with Trump saying, like, blacklisting some of the Chinese companies. And what are you, how does that tie into the um, outages? World War, the next war is going to be a cyber war. It's going to be EMP attacks. There's going to be attacks on. And plus, with like 5G and Huawei, maybe they. uh... This could be a test run for. I know, but it's always hard for me to believe that what you see is what you get. Like this thing with China is face value. So I have to go listen to Corbett. See what he says. I look at the way they're trying to get the public to sway. And right now it seems they're trying to get both the left and right to agree to be against China. Yes. And to be in favor of escalating conflict in Syria. And I'm not dismissing that this Ukraine thing, of course, the impeachment stuff is taking center stage. But my guess is we're going to just start doing stuff in Ukraine that we would absolutely never be able to do yeah. if it weren't this weirdly partisan thing now. Right, and the impeachment stuff domestically keeps everybody distracted and occupied from what's Ugh. really going on in Turkey and China that and is- in Ukraine. So true. Speaking of which, I really don't think I have the stomach to talk about the Turkey and Syria stuff. Um, 
it's just too upsetting. So tomorrow on WSB, I think we should dig deep into this whistleblower stuff. I want to go as far back as when Obama put whistle a whistleblower in jail for outing that underwear bomber. I'm going to, I think that ties into your EU commission whistleblower protocols. Yeah. I think this has been going on for a long time. And aside from the impeachment stuff and foreign policy and everything, I think that it's pretty dangerous that we're, they're locking down on information coming out of the government. All right. And you can hear that tomorrow on WSB at what time? 9 p.m. 9 p.m. tomorrow. I do like being on it Saturday nights. It is, it is, it's my, much more my vibe, but no one's going to find us. So we'll have to put it back on. <laughs> we'll have to put, actually, if people want to tweet, I've got some tweets out there. I want you, Binkley, to respond to my tweet for tomorrow's show. All right. So thank you. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to y'all tomorrow and next week.